0: Hello and welcome to episode number 84 of the Hobbies and Happiness podcast, where we talk about the hobby that makes us happy, Tabletop Gaming. I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Jim. And today we're talking with the man himself,
1: Matt DeMarco.
0: I, I, was, ju- I was just commenting to Jim- time like the 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 thing themselves type of thing but that's just that that's jim man that's his uh that's his thing and you, <laughs> you know just what? wait for the next one Dan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right well before we get into it let's talk about our sponsor amazon audible if you head over to our affiliate link at www.audibletrial.com forward slash hobbies and happiness you can sign up for your free 30-day trial of amazon's audible service what what is audible you do you, what you is ask audible man uh, Thank you for asking, Jim. Uh, Audible is Amazon's uh, audiobook service where if you sign up like we talked about, you get a free 30-day trial and you get a free book added to your account. That's right. You get one free credit to use on any book that you like within the service. And what's even better, if you cancel before that end of that 30-day trial period, you get to keep that free book on your account. What's even better is if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get two free credits, two credits added to your account so you can use them for any two books on the service. So again... Follow that link, audibletrial.com forward slash hobbies and happiness. Sign up for your free 30-day trial today. All right. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Um, so today we sit down and we talk with uh, Matt DeMarco, better yes. known as Flake in the yes. community. Um, Matt has been a, uh, a a gamer, a card gamer for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked to him. He's been around. He's been around. We talked to him a lot about card games. We talk about commenting because he is also in a caster for mm-hmm. a lot of these games. And uh, you know what? Let's just let's get out of the way and let's get right into the talk so you can hear for yourselves. Enjoy. All right, today on the podcast, we are joined by Mr. Matt Flake DeMarco. Matt is the host of the Instant Speed podcast and Podcana, a Disney Lorcana podcast. He's also a caster for, for Flesh and Blood, Gwent, Genesis, Magic, Cards, Mythgard, and probably some other games in
2: there that he forgot to tell us about. So Matt, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm well, and if any of those games that I forgot to mention are still hiring, I love your game. It is incredible. <laughs> your game is incredible. It's amazing. It it takes up all of my time and my soul, mm-hmm. and um, would never IRB. forget about it. Never. I would never. <laughs> no. The reason I don't mention it is because I'm playing hard to get. That's the move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So, uh, so Matt, you know. Um, it seems like you've you've been in this space for a while. You know we just we just touched on quite a few different card games. Um, can you can you give our audience kind of a a brief backstory and history into um, where you've been at in this space and kind of your your history in the tabletop and card game industry?
2: Uh, all right. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get into the the nitty gritty, the weeds necessarily. And we're not going to kick this off uh, with when a mommy loves a daddy. That's not how we're going <laughs> to do this. Is that how that oh. works? So I listen. If, <laughs> if that would help me, by all means, I will do what I need to do. Um, I began actually um, streaming, and I was began streaming Hearthstone. Uh, oh, there's another mm-hmm. one. I worked for Hearthstone. I did a, um, a Hearthstone Championship Tour stop in. Philadelphia. I was part of the broadcast team for that with Froden and, and Admirable. So that's another okay, one I cool. forgot to mention. God. And I'm I still do, looking for work. Blizzard. Yes, yeah.
1: so. I do understand you forgetting that one. Though. Blizzard's not a big company <laughs> yeah, at, not all. Big at all. It's.
2: it's I know, can't believe that. Like of forgettable. All, of all of about, like, them. Is relatively. He's like indie my first one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> the first one. The first one. Um, okay, so what's Rewind. Um, uh, The the I've always had an affinity for broadcasting. I went to um, university not for broadcasting. Uh, Ironically enough, I was uh, applied for broadcast journalism and I was rejected from broadcast journalism, which was fascinating to me. Uh, I ended up getting a degree in political science, but all through that high school, sorry, high school, that um, university education. Um, I was doing things like interning at a radio station, running the college radio station. So mm-hmm. it was so fascinating to me that it's like you guys don't want me but I'm gonna just do it so go after mm-hmm. yourself like yep. that's kind of the move that we went yeah um, ultimately when I when I finally graduated and everything, I moved to Toronto um, and I needed a, a real job. I wanted to try my my shot at getting a real job the whole office space kind of, um, you know, Mr. Lumberg-esque uh, environment, which was, it's so spot on. It is insanity how spot on it is. <laughs> there was some clown that did say Case of the Mondays, and I wanted to absolutely just tear my head off and pull <laughs> it down the lane.
0: Did he have a red stapler?
2: Uh, it was not. Uh, there was no uh, red swing line stapler. That was not part mm. of it. But there was somebody who was so damn, like it was in. First of all, I had my Han Solo coffee mug stolen, and I'm not over it at all. Can you believe oh, no. this garbage? And Holy- yes, and I had little tiny models of star uh, of of starships of star Star Wars starships that I just put on my desk. And I remember one day somebody left a note saying, I really like these Star Trek models. Which one is uh, which one is Gandalf? And I lost my mind.
1: Which one is which Gandalf? Gandalf? Dude, that's the yeah. biggest. That's some stuff I do at work.
2: Yeah, you want to hear about quiet quitting. That is the catalyst right there. You do not call the Millennium Falcon Gandalf and get away with it, you sons of bitches. Um, so I, I got into that world and I hated it. I really didn't like it. But at the end of the day... I was in a brand new city and like Toronto is 6 million people. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a small yeah. place, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like when you're in your thirties, you don't exactly make friends easily. And uh, like the friends I had at work, like they were great people. Don't get me wrong, but they were mm-hmm. work friends and they, we didn't share the same um, mm-hmm. kind of, of, you know, uh, hobbies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So at mm-hmm. the end of the day, what I would end up doing is I'd get home at like six, 630, I have something to eat, and I just pop on TV and play Hearthstone on my tablet. And then eventually, a friend of mine said, "You know, a really good way if you do feel lonely or whatnot is to try pick up streaming. You never know; like you, mm-hmm. you might have the personality for it. You like broadcasting? Just give it a shot." And I did, and the Hearthstone aspect didn't really kick off. It, it was never more than like a handful of viewers for the first few months, and I understood mm-hmm. that that was kind of the the path. But I was eventually introduced to Gwent. And after a few years of streaming Gwent, creating content for Gwent, uh, I was offered an audition with CDPR. They noticed me. They liked me. They said, "Hey, we have a tournament. We need a host for the tournament. Uh, how do you feel about doing interviews and stuff like that, and just being the lead in, lead out of the of the program?" I said, "Yeah, let's go." What's involved? And then they said, "Well, we're gonna fly you to Warsaw. We're gonna give you, you know, uh, a week in Warsaw. The production's like three days, uh, so we'll give you two days." Two days to acclimate. We'll have three or four days of production and whatnot, and then pay you and send you on your way. I'm like, this is the best deal ever. The best <laughs> deal ever. So once uh, that audition went through and I and I did that first event, um, which in itself was kind of like an audition, eventually they offered me, they like, we want you for the rest of the events for the year. Uh, how do you feel about play-by-play? I said, well, at first... I was so against it. I never wanted to touch it. I thought play-by-play was something that um, really was not my jam. I was more so about interacting with people and playing mm-hmm. off people. Mm-hmm. That's where the interviews came in and whatever. But then you realize, okay, I'm, I'm with somebody. Like, I'm doing this with somebody. And the first <clears throat> shot I had at it, was it mm-hmm. was really awful. It was. But the second time you get into it and you find your niche, you find your groove, mm-hmm. you, you take off running, and that's where it, it went down to. And uh, I worked with Gwent from i think it was like 2018 through till uh the end of 2022 uh, oh, wow. uh yet yeah. so about four four years four or five years uh with gwent uh last year in december was my last event with them i told them that i'm i'm moving on to focus on flesh and blood and it was a a nice conversation i had with their game director in person in warsaw uh i was there for an event uh this this gentleman his name is a uh, uh, vladimir tortsov he's a uh, Somebody whom I owe a lot of my career to, uh, mm-hmm. if not the first shot. And this is somebody who, um, if by chance they end up listening to this, uh, thank you so much. Because they trusted me to not just be uh, to be employed and to be the one of the casters, but they also gave me an immense amount of leeway to be myself. And that mm-hmm. is something that a lot of other places might not be as flexible with they're typically rigid about following scripts and whatever, like they would send me the script and I'd be like, yeah, cool. That is an awesome guideline. It's like, you know, (laughs) like the way that it is, is that if you want to get to the moon, you have a million people kind of doing all kinds of very intricate calculations and and trajectories, et cetera, Mm -hmm. to, to land your stupid ass on the moon. Mm -hmm. And, I show up and I'm like cool just point and'll I'll get there like that's kind of what it was and that's that's <laughs> yeah. where we went and and miraculously <clears throat> I landed on the moon every time and I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of where we're at today mm-hmm Awesome.
0: How how was your experience working with Gwent? Because I mean, I mean, if that was your first gig and you were there for for quite a while, um, how was that whole experience working with that crew and um, in, in that game? Because I know Gwent is still around and it's still kicking. I'm not certain how popular it is, um, but I mean, I, I know it's still a thing. Um, but what, can you touch on your experience work, working with that team and that community?
2: The team itself are so incredible because they 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 really care about the production about what the um what the game is doing for the community and such and um these people now have gone from being colleagues and 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 you know from a employment standpoint and they're just friends like these are people that Mm -hmm. i still communicate with on the regular um they're Communications uh manager. I, I don't know his exact title. Um his name is uh Pavel Burza, and he's he um was with them from the beginning and when we met it was like instant brotherhood. Um when I go visit Warsaw, he picks me up at the airport, I hang out with him at his place with his wife and his dog. <laughs> we hang out, we play flesh and blood together. I introduce him to flesh and blood, we go to armories together when I'm in Warsaw. He's like family to me. We had a podcast together for a while about cards, about Gwent, about all kinds of stuff, and I miss this guy dearly. But it's just the nature of of the business where people have to move on, and and it's everything's been globalized. It the world has shrunk, however, mm-hmm. the distance seems, still seems unfathomable at times. But the mm-hmm. team, um, the team is incredible, and it was such an eye opener for me to show up to an event, <clears throat> that first event, and there's like you get off you get through customs, you're, you're going to the baggage claim. And there's a dude in a, in a suit with your name on a sign. And you're like, what the hell? This is like incredible <laughs> they drive you to the, uh, to the hotel. You have your room. They're like, all right, you can go in. Like the, the room isn't in, right in the middle of downtown Warsaw. And they're like, all right, well, you have fun. Like we, you don't need to be at the venue. Uh, we'll pick you up for rehearsals on like Thursday at 10 AM. So mm-hmm. you have two days to, to putz around and do whatever the hell you want. But you're there with people from the community because they bring in the other broadcasters. They fly in the eight, the top eight competitors to play in the tournament. And then they bring you to the studio and it's all done in-house. The studio is incredible. Everything was phenomenal. They feed you. They take care of you. They give you all kinds of cool swag. And it's it's truly a tragedy in my mind that this game, unfortunately, is going to go into maintenance mode like perma perma maintenance mode as of 2024 because it is it's still one of the most unique card games out there and Mm -hmm. what really i have i I kind of laugh at is this i laugh at but like i find fascinating is the the success of a game like marvel snap that takes all the tenants and the rules of gwent and downsizes it and shrinks it into a very small dose and the rules are almost exactly the same. Like it's almost mm-hmm. precisely the same, and uh, it's a shame that that game did not get the um, the vibes. It, it was cursed from the beginning. It had a such mm-hmm. a, an explosion onto the scene, rightfully so. It mm-hmm. it it diverted away from the standard tenets of the ga- of of CCGs, which is you know RNG and all this stuff. Like it, it wanted to differentiate itself from Hearthstone. And it attracted so many people, but I don't think it ever wanted to be a competitor in that scene. It would mm-hmm. like Gwent was was CDPR's side bitch. That's what it was. Like the Witcher and they were working on Cyberpunk. So it was never, it was like the the bastard stepchild. Like no one gave a crap about it. That's the way it was. And unfortunately for us who worked with it, it was our beloved, you know, uh Precious. And then we we just mm-hmm. it's 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 tragic that the game, unfortunately, not as many people and got to enjoy it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time I played that game was w- because of The Witcher, the The, the Witcher game, mm-hmm. The Witcher Three. And then the first time I played, I'm like, "Holy cow, this is an amazing game!" And it's a game with It was literally Inception. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. come on, it was literally Inception, right? And, and I would play Witcher just to play Gwent because it was awesome. And then when I heard <clears throat> they were doing a standalone Gwent game, I'm like, dude, that uh, that is awesome. So, yeah, it, 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 it is unfortunate that uh, you know it's, it's kind of ending its cycle here. Um, I remember seeing a bunch of
1: ads for Gwent on uh-huh. YouTube just like all over the place. That weird little creepy guy at the start, he's just like sitting on a, a dock or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and he's like, want to play a game? I'm like... <laughs> (laughs)
2: i've seen this i've seen i've seen this movie i don't want to play a game i don't want to play a game free candy
0: i'm in i'm in (laughs) um so 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 matt would it be fair to say that you're obsessed with card games
2: i think that is um probably as close to the proper diagnosis as i can get (laughs) from anyone outside of the psychiatric uh academia um like, let's get real in all honesty. I had this conversation actually with somebody recently where they said, well, like, so I'm, I'm a single guy. I'm, you know, dating apps and all this other garbage <laughs> like that. The question I always get is, obviously, what do you do for work? Because like, I have it listed as nerd broadcaster, and I have to explain that. And they're like, well, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, the same thing. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't I'm know
1: what to tell you. I'm always researching for my job. Like, yeah, right. I'm playing games. Right.
2: That's the weird part about it is that they can't reconcile that what I do for a oh, living yeah. mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. also what I do for recreation. And when I, when I <laughs> kind of distance myself from that part of it, it's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm actually physically effing exhausted and I need to sit on the couch and jam some like the only things that peel me away from card game and card game related stuff is if some of my buddies like tannin and uber or whatever they want to play overwatch i'm in i'll play that the other thing about it is that yeah mercy main over here mercy well we always need a freaking mercy (laughs) (laughs) tannin can't peel his ass off of moira for two seconds
1: to Invite <laughs> to join party, I'm down yeah.
2: Pharmacy me, like for Jesus Christ, I'm out in the air Firing rockets Like a like they're Patriot missiles And I need some healing And there's clown shoes out there Just I need firing healing. sauce orbs everywhere Anyway Medic! Yeah, oh my god That like I always get good into playing
0: the tank. Wait, Tell us how you really feel Tell us how you <laughs> yeah, really, feel, how you really
2: man. feel True story, I literally put out a tweet about Thirty minutes ago, that says I am never more vulgar than when I'm playing Overwatch with Uber Tannen and my buddy uh, House. Like those, I am never more unappealing <laughs> than when I am there.
1: I, I don't being... know if I don't know if other people know this, but I don't like to toot my own horn. But I was like semi-pro in Overwatch, so I'm just throwing that out there.
2: <laughs> oh no, you are. Ap- uh, listen, uh, there are there are no loyalties in friendship when it comes to rank <laughs> ranking up in Overwatch. I will sell any one of my family members down the road if it means getting out of like plat or something like that like Get me out of this hellhole.
1: Um mm-hmm. Elo so Hell right
2: there. What, what was the question? Oh right. Um, what gets me away? <laughs> what gets me away from no, the card games? The, the, the only no
0: the only the only question was, is it fair to say that you're obsessed with card games? Oh right. Yeah,
2: yeah that was that is the question. Um <laughs> <laughs> the only thing, like I said, that peels me away from card game and card game culture is that, is Overwatch, and hey, there's like there's a new episode of Picard on, or there's a new episode of The Last of Us, I'm like, alright, well, we're gonna have to sit down and watch it, that's the only thing, otherwise, before this game, <laughs> sorry, before this game, before this podcast, like, we started recording this, it was like 9pm my time, I re-watched Picard season three, episode one. I rewatched it at 8 p.m. my time while playing Talishar. It's a get more degenerate than that. It does not. It's my life. I can't stress it enough. I can't stress it enough. All right. so,
0: So on the heels of that, was there a game that like clicked that for you? Was there a card game that made you become obsessed with card games? Or was it just all of them like combined?
2: It's There's a whole lot of it. I think that my first real passion for card games kind of got ignited with Star Wars CCG because my first introduction to card games was very simplistic. It was very, my number's bigger than your number, I win. And I <laughs> thought that that wasn't ever going to appeal to me because I didn't necessarily know that there was another type of game. I had played Magic very, very casually. A friend of mine had cards, so I, I literally would dig through and just put all the green stuff together and make a deck <laughs> literally that's kind of what it was. All right, he well, does he hates green. He hates green.
0: <laughs> I I'm, I'm a, a green g- player. I like green. All right, all right. But to be to be fair, okay?
1: He <laughs> yeah. just said in the Star Wars game he was just like, "My number's bigger than yours, I win." Green I has really big numbers. <laughs>
2: that's true. I get it. Well, I understand. That, now you can see where that foundation of my I of my it. TCG <laughs> I don't think you're right. <laughs> um but i understand (laughs) uh listen i i played magic uh pretty heftily during like throne of eldraine and i know how awful green can be i know how mean (laughs) and disgusting that color can be uh (laughs) so i think it was star wars ccg that really introduced me to the fact that games can be complex they can be drawn out they can be strategic planning it's not just about drawing the right card it's about how do you properly um execute a play how do you plan out how do you fake bluff uh you know not <laughs> overextend things like that and that's something that after that uh fire was lit you know i needed something at the same time when hearthstone came out i like that filled a lot of the voids and when you realize that um you, when you play a lot of hearthstone especially in the early days before discover was a a, a mechanic you had to learn to play around things you had to learn What the Mm -hmm. best decks were. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just about putting your playing your own deck or playing your other deck, and that opened my eyes to the fact that this was so much more than just put the best cards together and throw them at your opponent. You know, Mm -hmm. um, strategies and 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 standard uh, things that you learn, like don't overextend in Hearthstone if you don't have to against the right decks. Some of them you have to, you know, some of them you don't have Mm -hmm. to. Things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was really, I'd say it was Star Wars CCG that lit that fire. But it was Hearthstone that poured gasoline all over it. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like that statement, Hearthstone poured gasoline Mm -hmm. all over that, is true for a lot of people. (laughs) I know Hearthstone for me, like, Hearthstone clicked something for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Hearthstone, man. One one thing (laughs) you brought up when you were saying, you know, it's not just
1: good enough to know your deck, you have to know your opponent's deck and inside of like a a digital card game that's really all that goes to and what one thing i've noticed and we've talked about in the past and when we're sitting across from each other Mm -hmm. i now i have to know my deck i have to know his deck but i also have to read dan on what he's doing (laughs) because you don't get to see your opponent like when you're just playing a ranked ladder and it's just like all right what could they have
2: yeah Oh, you know. for sure. Because yeah. when I was playing Star Wars in my head, I was like, I kind of know what deck you're playing, but I also know that you're a giant pile of garbage. So I know what your <laughs> plan is. Like uh-huh. that that's it. You got to know their their deep down dark secrets of the like, yep. types of that. I'm like, I know. I know that you double dipped that chip 2 years ago. So I know just how greasy you can get. I know how much how little regard <laughs> for the for the human condition you have so i know what you're holding you piece of filth i know it like that's part of it though and that's part of why card games to me are are such a joy they're such um like mm. this fulfilling experience because they're in constant evolution you're mm-hmm. always you're always interacting with somebody else it you know be it on something like a hearthstone match where your the interaction is through the gameplay or you're across the table and i can't tell you how many friends i've made that i stay in touch with and interact with on a weekly basis because we randomly paired up people like jacob Bertrand, um you know from you randomly
0: paired with you were you randomly paired with jacob Bertrand? i did that's crazy
2: i randomly paired with him i thought it was jacob bertram from Realm Games, because I saw the name. <laughs> I'm like, you mofo, you should be working your kiosk. I sit down. I have not a clue who this person is, because I've never really? seen Cobra Kai. Not oh, a clue. Oh, dude. That After is we, That is so crazy, man. I show up like a complete toolbox, because I that say,
0: crazy. you're
2: Jacob Bertrand? And he's like, yeah, man. I'm like, you can't be. That's Jacob Bertrand. <laughs> and, and I told him the story, and he was, yeah, and he's like, what a freaking doofus. And I was like, <laughs> so we play our whole game and we're just laughing and shooting the breeze and having a yeah. great time. At the <laughs> yeah. end of the game, I was like, hey, may I offer you some uh, some advice on this matchup? He was playing Fi. I was playing uh, Oldham. He was running like Kadachis into me. And I was like, you can't run Kadachis into into Oldham. It's just a death sentence, especially with Mask of Momentum. We're chatting it out. And he's like, dude, you're a really nice guy. The last Oldham player I played is a complete asshole and i was like yeah and we started talking about that anyways that wraps up i go back to my buddies uh, some of my um, you know teammates at kfabe <laughs> cards i was like yeah i just can you believe it i just cued into somebody who's named jacob bertrand almost like jacob bartram he's like dude that guy's the cobra kai guy i was like give me a second i go walk up to him and i'm like jacob he's like yo what's going on i'm like i am an idiot i'm really sorry and like we started <laughs> chatting we ended up going to dinner uh that's so cool man i had a great time and then he yeah. he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago
0: yeah yeah i uh, and i saw that and i didn't know he played flesh and blood <clears throat> because um you know we're, we're we're big into magic and you know we saw him on a couple of magic mm-hmm. shows and and like the command zone and before he was on that you know we love cobra kai like mm-hmm. i think I was I actually no. going to bring that show up. I'm like, really? The only
1: shows I watch now are like Cobra Kai. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, and unfortunately, I seen that
0: it. show. Unfortunately, it is ending. This is the last season. It you you, you should watch it. it. It's it's check out just a couple episodes just to see if it's your jam. But mm-hmm. it it was it's a lot of fun. It, well, it is a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> the fun part about this was that a few days like I had a weekend before I was recording uh, with Jacob for for the podcast, and I was like, beauty. I'm like i've got like three or four days let's just hammer out this whole cobra kai thing see what it's all about you know okay um just at the same time netflix decided to cancel their password sharing garbage so uh, by I and think in my head i was like no and i was like <laughs> is jacob worth 9.99 <laughs> mm, no <laughs> I didn't watch it. And I flat out told We're him We're clipping we, that. We're clipping We're that right clipping there. That, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. He knows. I told him flat out. Like I told him I'm like, so you're an actor and you do all this and I'm asking you questions and I'm like, never watched it. Go. And it's like <laughs> we went from there.
0: <laughs> that's great. That that's pretty funny. Um, okay, so so speaking of flesh and blood, what um what was it? that got you into Flesh and Blood. Uh, was there something in particular that sparked your interest in the game or kind of how did you start making that transition over to Flesh and Blood?
2: Um, so I was introduced to the, to the game by uh, a friend of mine by the name of Lewis Woodhouse. Um, all credit goes to to Lewis. He goes by the, the moniker. What's up, Woody? He used to stream Gwent. Uh, he's also was in marketing for card games and such. And so he was always, he always had his finger on the pulse of new card games and he, said hey flaky should really try this one out and he was streaming it on tabletop just to give show people the rules and such and it really it caught my my eye so i said i'm gonna go and pick up some some blitz decks and uh played a game uh at the time with my girlfriend at the time we played against each other and she beat me and she beat me again and i was like son of a bitch like all right (laughs) you don't play card games and i'm getting bodied by this i'm like sounds good but what really got me with this was when I was finally introduced to Katsu and Ninja and the combo mechanics. Ooh, and man. I thought, okay, let's this is more something I'm digging. This is more about building up to bigger turns. It's not just about pitch three, send eight, go crazy. Everyone's having a good time. <laughs> this was more so a matter of let's 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 have a game plan. let's let's work our way. let's chip away. Um, I'm a control player by nature in every card game I've ever played. But what really kind of drove me to continue and really seek out what flesh and blood was all about? I I abandoned magic. I was not happy with magic. I didn't want mm-hmm. to, but I missed ripping packs. Like when I used to collect Star Wars cards, busting open a pack of Star Wars cards was like as close to child cocaine as you can get. <laughs> and because at- did you smell the cards? Oh, I not only smelled them. I had the oh. sick, nasty thing where. First of all, shout all right, out I to my buddy. My buddy Jed, my buddy Jed, who I used to play cards with all the time. His superstition was whenever he bought packs, he had to lick one. And I was like, that's you, buddy. That's you. Um,
1: Like lick the wrapper or or the card? No, no, lick the wrapper. Yeah, yeah, no. uh, For
2: me, there was one where I I remember I bought a bunch of packs and one of them fell out of my hand and hit the floor in such a way that it kind (laughs) of made a loud, like smack and in it was han solo and i was like this is i'm so every time i used to buy packs i used to take one and Lord. literally just freaking like br- <laughs> tom brady it across the room and j- because i thought it was a, a good luck uh now the damage that was incurred by the cards i was gonna say just... <laughs> like no cards were damaged in this video no no plenty were um <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted that feeling again. It's like you could then I went to magic and I was like, okay, I got disposable income. I was still working the office mm-hmm. job, making really good money. And I was like, all right, let's start ripping packs. But I just was not getting the same joy in magic. Mm-hmm. And then flesh and blood rolled around and I was like, you know what? I'm like, let's try it out. And then you, the first booster box I opened was a welcome to Wraith booster box and pulled a tunic. And I was like, oh, this is wow. easy. <laughs>
0: First, Games yeah, there was an, wow, e- yeah, there was an mode.
2: e strike in that box. There was like uh, you know there was some good stuff. Second box I ever bought was Arcane Rising. What do we have in there? Command and Conquer, Art of War, Ooh. Arcane, Arcanite Skullcap, easy peasy, wow. not a problem. It was like the easiest, <laughs> easiest thing. Crazy, but I mean that that's that's an easy way to kind of get hooked. And mm-hmm. uh, but what really solidified it for me was when I started understanding the 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 premise like uh, the underlying layers of every turn um how intricate the game can be Mm -hmm. and ultimately how on the surface it's just trading numbers of damage but there's so much more to it and that Mm -hmm. really was i'm like man like you you pull the lid off this and you're going to be digging for for days and days and hours and hours looking at strategy
0: Mm mm-hmm Mm hmm. Um, So so you you talked about the start of your career and kind of how you got into uh, doing casting. Right. Um, One thing that you mentioned, which I found interesting, was you went to broadcasting school, got rejected, but you did it anyway. Right. Yes. To me, that 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 so speaks to. You don't need a piece of paper. If you've got, if you have the drive, the desire, and the work ethic, you can make it happen on your own. I feel like we're living in the this day and age where anyone for the most part can do that. And a lot of people are doing it. Like n- and not to say that it's easy, mm-hmm. but like work ethic and desire are, are huge. Um, I mean, are I mean looking back on your career, like <clears throat> what can you look to that point? Like, are you happy that you got rejected? God, no. What are you insane?
2: <laughs> God, no. He's like, I'm well, so much further. Through, <laughs> I had to sit through 90 freaking credits of political science. Don't get me wrong. I, okay. So, first sure, of all, shout out, I'm like, I
1: don't know what he's going to do with that. <laughs> shout out,
2: shout out to Concordia University in Montreal's uh, faculty of journalism and like media. Uh, suck a high hard one. That's all I'm going to say. I did it without you. Uh, I went to political science because of the remaining programs that were still accepting applications at Mm -hmm. that late into the application uh, process. Uh That was the only one that I was like, wow, I will I could do this and not want to kill myself every day. So like we did, (laughs) I went to that Um, after the first year because I couldn't change programs until there was about a year or so through and I had done Uh a full year um, and I was like, you know what? I'm through the dry stuff. And I did at a time want to actually pursue politics Mm -hmm. until I went and learned about politics. So, uh, (laughs) but at the same time, I was like, I don't ever want to have to restart or go through this because while I was doing the political science in that first year, I had already landed an internship. And what Mm -hmm. was really fascinating to me is that when I was doing radio for, um, it's like the Canadian equivalent of, uh, ESPN radio. It's called TSN radio, TSN radio in Montreal. I was doing, uh, kind of like an intern role, but the person I was doing, I was interning for who had a radio show was a former NHL player named PJ stock, who was an immensely kind and generous, if not goofy person. And he's like, dude, I don't care. He's like, (laughs) he told me, he's like, this is just a a conduit for me to get on TV. So, uh, I don't really give a, s yes, about it so the microphone's there say whatever the hell you want just don't swear cuss say bad words or whatever and we're free to go and it was a really cool experience but when i applied for it uh the the, the program director said looked at my you know he's like oh what are you in school for I said well it's not broadcast journalism and I thought that was the nail in the coffin he said well what are you what are you actually in for? I said, political science. He's like, that's better. He's like, you have a worldview. You have opinions. You're not in this <laughs> echo chamber of, yeah. you know, he's like, we get a dozen and a half, um, you know, broadcast journalism applicants for internships every week. They're all the same. He's like, you're the, only, you have a different aspect of your <laughs> worldview here. You're, you're actually learning about stuff, you know, that is outside of sports. And that can lend mm-hmm. itself to these conversations. And I thought mm-hmm. that that was very important. And that's when I decided, I was like, I don't need to switch majors. I said, all I need is and amb- the ambition, the effort, and the willingness to learn and fail and learn mm-hmm. and fail and learn and fail and learn and succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's where we mm-hmm. eventually got to where we are today.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that question came out wrong, okay? Where my head was at was, I know for me in particular, (laughs) when I look... When I look back on my life, you know, I've had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And I feel like if I would just cut out all of the downs, all the bad stuff that happened to me, I would not be where I am today. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, the 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 positives have made me who I am, but also the negatives. Mm-hmm. So that was where my head was at when I asked the question. The delivery was <laughs> not quite there. That's okay.
2: <laughs> hey, any... Any opportunity to tell Concordia University to suck a high hard one makes me feel so good. Oh, my God. I even I wrote – this is the, the other part about it, is that I wrote for their, for their newspaper. I was a sports columnist for their newspaper, and they didn't want me in their journalism program. You dummies. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. And that's why I don't have that diploma hanging from my back wall. I have the ass man license plate from Seinfeld. Because that is more important to me <laughs> than like my university degree.
0: <laughs> that that is funny. Um, okay, so 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 go, going off of casting a little bit, um, how important? And I know you've got an opinion on this too. How important is casting to these um, to these competitive card game tournaments or, or casts? Can can a good caster? Well, can a caster in general, good or bad, make or break? an event
2: so do you want the the politically correct answer no or the real answer no I want the real answer well the politically correct answer was is going to be well no absolutely not the (laughs) quality of the gameplay is what drives the viewership and the intrigue it's a narrative (laughs) yeah well that's but that's what people want to (laughs) say do people really
1: want to say that though I don't think anyone wants to say that (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm trying not to pump my own tires as much as possible here, but I have <laughs> seen what part of it for me, which was, I can do this and I can succeed at this, was because I have seen tournaments where the casting was atrocious, and mm-hmm. that isn't to say that I was not bad when I began because I was, I was terrible, yeah, but it made me not want to, not necessarily not want to watch, but I would just tune it out. And when you tune it out, when you mute it, you're like, okay, well, at the same time, I'm missing elements of it that I should be, you know, so you're, you're detracting from the enjoyment, the engagement of the people who are watching it. A good broadcaster for a tournament, and this is the one thing that I think a lot of people don't necessarily uh, reconcile within themselves, is... A lot of people think that they can do what I can, what I can do. And a lot of them can, that's not, that's not the, that's never in question. And I would always encourage people to go and, and make a, a run at it. Go do it. It's absolutely it. For me, it is the most fulfilling and happy thing I have ever been involved in is this. And I'm lucky for that. But a lot of people want to do it because they want to be the show. They want to mm-hmm. be why they want to be the, the, the star. They want to be the centerpiece. And that's not what you're there for. When I get hired, I am hired to enhance another product. I am the Cialis for a broadcast. I am the Viagra for it. All right. I keep I keep you right. standing upright and at attention when you're watching these things. I've never said that in my life, and I I, I don't know you're if gonna- this will make the cut. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's percent going to make the cut. Yeah, this is going
2: to cool. be the short, isn't it? This is going to be the little <laughs> teaser. Um, but the way that I describe it is that I'm not play-by-play, I'm not color, though those are the roles that are usually attributed t- to the broadcast team when we go and do a, ro- uh, a thing. I'm a storyteller. I I drive mm-hmm. narrative. I am no. there to clarify and enhance what you're already seeing. I I am not on screen... Don't get me wrong, I love doing what I do. I love being on screen because I love being able to entertain, but I am not the star of the show. I'm not the 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 per- like when people say, "Oh, you're the 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 face of Flesh and Blood or the voice of Flesh and Blood." I get really nervous saying that or or wow. kind of listening to that because it's not true. What the voice of Flesh and Blood are the players playing the game, designing the decks and having such intriguing and high-level matches, and I'm just as much of a fan of it as everyone else. It just so happens that I'm able to be there with a the microphone and basically articulate the the significance of what's going on, to dress it up, to put, you know, the makeup on the pig if it's a bad match, or to just sort of give it the runway when it's it's just basically telling itself. And that is a skill set that I think broadcasters, when they get in, they feel like they always have to be. The, the center, the centerpiece. They always have to have the spotlight. And in reality, that's not true. We're narrators. We're storytellers. Mm-hmm. We're the mm-hmm. ones that are out there, you know, just trying to paint within the lines that the game itself has, has you know, established the framework for.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's, I, I really like the way you put that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I, I I really wish that a lot of people And I feel like the storytelling aspect is so applicable to a lot of different spaces, a lot of different industries. And I think when you view what you're doing through that lens of you are telling a story, particularly in any in any sort of entertainment industry, I think you're gonna the work that's gonna come out of that is gonna be a lot better than look at me I'm the star of the show, right? So I, I really really like the way you put that. Um, all right, I, I wanna I wanna make sure we get
2: to talking about Lorcana because I dude I, again I feel Absolutely. like we could be here for like three hours. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, hey, dude, don't, don't. I know I said that like I have a, only a certain amount of time, but like, let's. I, I don't want to ever detract from from somebody's game plan. I'm I don't have a hard out, so let's just let's roll it until you want me to leave. Let's let's go that way.
0: All right, hundred percent. All right, so <clears throat> I've I've been listening to Podcana, um, guys. Are right at, at time of recording, we've got two episodes in. Both, um, both have been phenomenal so far. Uh, you and Brendan, Brendan Patrick. That's his name, right? Okay. I, I've enjoyed both episodes so far right now Podcana is one of the what do we got like 50 Thousand? different 50 different podcasts that have started about In the last week <laughs> In the last weak. week <laughs> oh yeah all right all right but I, I do have to ask you um what is it so so two questions number one what is it that has you excited about lorcana and then uh, why did you start a podcast about lorcana a game that we don't where there, there's information out but not a ton of information and we have no idea how to play the game yet.
2: So, all right. So the first thing is what was the first question again? Why did I start what, the
0: uh, Yeah, what what has you excited about it? What okay. has you excited about Lorcana?
2: <clears throat> what has me excited about Lorcana is it's a paper-based card game that is that essentially has the backing of Disney. Um and the reason why that gets me excited is because a I I'm a fan of a lot of Disney IP, and I'm not just talking mm-hmm. about Star Wars, and I'm not just talking about Marvel. I'm talking about the OG stuff. Uh, one of the most underrated. There Disney is a movies. reason
0: I wore this shirt today. Oh yeah,
2: you're, you're <laughs> literally you're speaking to me in so many beautiful ways. Um, the the um, uh, what was I saying? Right. So I'm I'm excited about it because I truly believe that an entity like Disney wouldn't license out their IP to an entity like Ravensburger who was doing the game unless Ravensburger had a really damn good idea. Like they really, if it wasn't just a something silly, something just rudimentary, run of the mill, reskin of magic, reskin of Hearthstone and paper, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that they would trust another entity unless the idea was a home run. Outside of that, I don't see how this can fail and i'm not saying that it's bulletproof but you've got the backing of disney you've got the ip to support it like it's 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 a recipe that basically will appeal to collectors casuals they've announced an op like they said there's going to be an organized Mm -hmm. play system Mm -hmm. that's going to attract a lot of people i mean if you look (laughs) at a game like pokemon pokemon has i I don't know you know i'm friends with a, a lot of lgs owners and they say like you know as many people that are playing it competitively there's droves more who just want to open packs and collect the shinies and i completely mm-hmm. understand that and i truly believe mm-hmm. that if lorcana's out there they're appealing to so many different demographics and markets and interests in card games that it can't it can't lose now it's definitely fair criticism to say how can you possibly create a podcast not knowing a damn thing about the game but I rebut with this, there, there were cards and keywords and text Mm -hmm. and things that were leaked when we decided to make this, that we had an idea that we thought the game was going to be a certain way. And we liked that idea, that concept. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. more information has since come out and that has only enhanced our excitement for it. Absolutely. So when you say there's 50 podcasts out there, that's kind of the way it goes. Whenever a new game comes out, everybody <laughs> wants, they, I, like that's everybody true. wants to get in at the ground floor. Like, yeah, it's yeah. freaking, uh, you know, Amway dot like like you've never heard.
1: <laughs> I mean, we're pretty you much a g- kind of podcast now. At this point. <laughs> yeah, right. We always bring it up every episode. <laughs> we always episode. bring it up.
2: Yeah, yeah. right. But <laughs> yeah, we like Brendan and I. I mean. We are Brendan. Kind of, sort of stepped away from competitive Flesh and Blood, and I, you know, I'm not working as many Flesh and Blood events, uh, official Flesh and Blood events, and I had other things I wanted to explore. And I really was into this Disney thing, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Dude, I like. Let's. Do you want to do it?" And he's like, "If we do it, we do it." I, I don't say he said we do it my way, but he's like, "I want to do it in the same the right vein, way,
0: essentially." Yeah. Right.
2: He's like, "This is our focus. This is what we're mm-hmm. going to do, and mm-hmm. this is how we approach it." I want it to be mm-hmm. strategy. I want it to be geared up towards the players that are playing to play the game, to win the game, right. not to collect <clears throat> yep. the game. I not said to collect damn it. Right. Yeah. So that's yep. where we approached it and the the issue is is like we could have waited till August when the game launches, but we would be missing out on a lot of big conversations be behind the curve, yeah. 100 bingo. And yep. Yep. I mean, look, from you gotta a play s- tempo yeah,
1: yeah well, so you know, that's it
2: tempo. yeah we're we're on hard ramp right now okay <laughs> druid ramp 2020 20 mana crystals like crazy but from a selfish standpoint like i i will completely be transparent here this is also something that i want to work with i want to cast and and the yep. way to do that is to be involved in the space yep. um if i never get a casting gig with Lorcana, but i like the game i'm going to continue the podcast and i'm going to continue playing the game it's just the way it is yeah but this is a way for me to connect with the community. And yeah. uh, And that's why, that's why it exists.
0: hundred percent. So a couple things there. Number one, that's that question was mostly done tongue in cheek. I do feel, (laughs) I do feel very fortunate though. Like I feel like Lorcana for us just dropped at the most opportune moment for us. And we're like, this is an opportunity for us. And uh, are you familiar with, with the game villainous at all? Disney villainous. I am not familiar with it. So Disney Good. Villainous is <laughs> all right. So so Disney Villainous is um it's a it's a board game by Ravensburger, Okay. And I think Disney Villainous is the reason that Ravensburger is being allowed to do to do Lorcana. Because of the care that they took with the IP that is Disney and how well that game sold and how well they did making that game, that one of them, either Disney or Ravensburger saw that and then approached the other and said, Hey, how about we do a trading card game? And then off of that success, Disney was like, absolutely, you guys have shown that you can treat this IP with the care it deserves. 100%, we're, we are going to give our blessing to something like this. So in my opinion, Villainous is the reason that Lorcana is being done by robinsberger in fact for for all we know i think villainous could be the reason that Lorcana is even a thing to begin with mm-hmm. um so 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 th- so there's that um also you, you ever you ever need somebody to talk about Lorcana, just hit me up i, I got you
2: <laughs> i dig it
0: um so okay so 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 go so going off of that do you do you think that this Quote slow drip right of marketing information is the right approach right now. I mean, granted, we are so far out. Like they, they've kind of planned this thing to a T almost. Like they know when releases. Um, do you think that the way that they're going about this is the right approach? Um, and if
2: not, how do you? How would you like to see it go? I think it is the right approach, and it's the right approach right now. And the reason I say that is because what they're dropping if you don't know the the whole picture at all it's like you're at the beginning stages of of the puzzle and it's like okay this piece fits uh, this piece fits into this piece but i don't know where it is in the grand scheme of things so there's a lot of conversation but if if once the rules are set the op announcement all this stuff like for instance if they pulled this you know next year after they've had their first tournaments and they're like if they slow roll it after that that's bad news it to a degree mm-hmm. right and right part of this is like when um uh, i think it was like when the mandalorian came out people were complaining that it was not all the episodes didn't drop at oh, once you can yeah. binge it
0: yeah people like i had I to was, wait a wait. i was not happy
2: i was like i gotta <laughs> wait a freaking week to find out like what the hell you know find out next time <laughs> but let's be real that was actually enhancing the show because if you can mm-hmm. drop it all and watch it in a weekend you're not giving two craps about um the about Disney plus or the conversation yeah. or where, where yeah. you know Jinjar, Jinjarin fits in the entire scope of the universe right. and where Grogu fits in the entire scope of the universe There. so by them just saying I'm like Yoda. Oh, <laughs> you son of a bitch you, you <laughs> sick <laughs> son of a bitch I came on this show in good faith that I would not be slandered as such. (sighs) Why don't we just call all Canadians Americans, too? Why don't
1: we do that? I mean, you're North Americans.
2: You son of a... (laughs) I don't really drink, but damn it. My emergency whiskey is just yelling at me right now.
0: Oh, that's great. Um,
2: I, I, so that, that said, when they just come out and say, oh, by the way, here's a new card type. And it's like, all right, we have a week's worth of conversation. Then all of a yeah, sudden they're like, well, hey, how about this? Let's drop you with uh, a little bit of the rules or drop you with a card that has a new keyword with it. Boom. Mm-hmm. I think that is the right approach because it, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a slow drip but it's sustainable and that's yeah. that's the important part. The problem is is that once everybody gets all this stuff and you're like, "All right, when's the next expansion? Like don't slow roll us on this, you know, mouse, like give it to us, buddy."
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um in in your opinion, what's the one thing that Ravensburger has to get right for Lorcana not to be a failure? If oh. if you could if you could if you could boil it down to one thing,
2: I think that, okay, well, the first thing I'm going to say, and this is a shout-out to my boy, David Rood, who's, uh, who runs uh, Harry Tarantula here in Toronto. Distribution. Distribution has to be on point because I've seen and heard the plights of LGSs here in Canada that get gooned by distributors uh, who play favorites or do this or do that and whatever, and uh, the allocation typically is like, well, big box stores that don't give a hoot about the game are getting so much because their volume of sales is so huge, but you Mm -hmm. who's running tournaments and learn to plays and selling singles and stuff, I will give you like 10% of the allocation. Like that's one thing that I think uh, needs to happen. And I never thought I'd say this, you know, two years ago, but in the course of my flesh and blood career, I've made really good connections with LGS owners and like understanding how important distribution is, is a major, major point. The other mm-hmm. thing I think that they have to get right is you have to you have to make this casual accessible because mm-hmm. if this becomes a game where the best the best cards in the game are the rarest and most expensive it becomes dangerous and players and collectors are like I don't ever want to hear a story the one time I will hear a story of some dude who who cheats a kid out of a bad trade will drive me up the wall and I will I will be the one with the pitchfork and the torches hunting this this clown down. That is the other thing is that you have to make sure that kids can enjoy the game on the cheap where the whales can get the super rare alternate art Jafar, I don't know, I'm making stuff up. But <laughs> Wait, wait, you
0: you have information that you,
2: you better share it. It's not a five drop. It's not a five drop. And he doesn't pair with Iago. I'm not saying that. But that said, I think that that is an important element to it, that it has to be casual accessible where kids can both collect and play on the kitchen table without sleeves like the savages they are and just go through that. Whereas the collectors and the people who want to play in a competitive environment and want to bling out their stuff won't have to go and fleece a kid. At, at at the LGS that just opened uh, alternate art super foil Jafar you know like that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing I'm talking about yeah
0: um, <clears throat> so you saying that shout, shout out to John T over at uh, the, the Illumineers um, he's we, we've had him on our weekly show our weekly stream <clears throat> um, on, on Friday nights and he one of the things Plugged. that he one of the things that that he <laughs> that he mentioned because he helps run run an LGS and he's super excited you know about the game. He's like one of the things that they want to start doing is like have like family nights where you, know, you can because because there's families who are gonna want to get into this mm. game. And he's like, I want to be sure that we are essentially policing trades that are happening like if that way kids don't get fleeced right <laughs> well I mean oh that's a, because that's essentially what you're yeah. doing for yeah. for the for, for lack of a better word yeah. right um but th- they don't want their being experienced card game players taking advantage of opportunities of mm-hmm. kids who don't know what they're doing essentially mm-hmm. and being cheated out of like a, a trade essentially so I think I think as long as there's more people like jaunty and lgs owners like that then like that's where the community needs to be at 100 Mm -hmm. it's important
2: Um, it's it's important because it's it's part of the experience and i I, you know like i don't know how many stories i hear of people and like reddit posts and whatever of like i'm not playing the game because i i don't want to go back to a place because i had a bad experience and i i'm Mm -hmm. I'm lucky enough that most of my experiences have always been very positive and Mm -hmm. uh, you know in the games i play uh, and I hope that that carries over. But I think that this is going to be a game where there is a a, a lot of cross pollination of of demographics of the older yeah. the older crowd. I say older, but like the twenty five plus with disposable income that are playing mm-hmm. because they want to win, with the you know the younger kids, the sixteen and younger who are cracking packs because they want to fill a binder, and you right. know maybe they play a casual game. I I can't fathom. Um, it just it boils my blood to think of of people taking advantage of kids and that's that's one thing i think that i mean it's hard for disney to or or, or robinsberger to to police this obviously that's not their jam but right. i think that that's something that I, if stories like this start to crop up where there's this one group that preys upon the other that's that's dangerous and that's so awful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: now <clears throat> given where we're at now Right. And granted, we're we're still very early in in even the knowledge space of of lorcana Right. But do given given what we know now, do you think that Lorcana will stand the test of time in the TCG marketplace? Or do you think that there are signs that point to it coming out, fizzling and dying like so many have in the TCG marketplace in, in the past?
2: Let's let's qualify you know, success and, and, and the test of time, because I don't think anything is, is eternal, obviously. Right. But what, what to you would constitute quote unquote, surviving the test of time a decade, 10 years. Okay. So I think that it's, it's, that is, if I were to put money on it, that they're, they're printing a set for Lorcana in 10 years, I'm slamming a hundo down on that. No problem. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, I, again my confidence is not 100% uh, certainly mm-hmm. not but i think that they have enough uh, ip in the vault before mm-hmm. they even have to explore other things like star wars or marvel i don't think that those are even on the table for the, for a <laughs> 5 year plan they could mm-hmm. release an they can release an expansion per movie and and if they're doing four per year they're good for like the next god knows how many years 10 15 right. years easily right <clears throat> um and they're still jamming out movies so like they're mm-hmm. they're filling their own coffers with 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 substance the difference mm-hmm. is is how do those cards interact with one another and whatever mm-hmm. i think there the the test will be in like two or three years when they yeah. have to start thinking about something like standard rotation or that kind of power creep and that problem because every card game deals with it yep. and those that don't that don't respect power uh uh, rotation are doomed and i'm looking at you gwent because i wrote you letters and wrote you giant (laughs) essays about standard rotation for three consecutive years and Uh and now unfortunately the game's not going well and now you're saying that maybe standard rotation was a good idea so (laughs) it's just it's the natural progression of it and it's how they handle that i i am confident that this is a game that will not just be around in ten years, but has the chance to be up there as one of the big three.
0: Leads me into my next question. <clears throat> um, I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. So we we did an episode actually all about um, can Lorcana make its way to the big four of of card games. Um, so the question I have written down here is: Will will the Mount Rushmore, the big three of card games, shift? In the next decade in the West, um, what, what do you think, and do you think Lorcana has that potential to be that shift or be at least be a part of that shift?
2: Okay, so if we're talking about the big three, we're talking about Magic the Gathering, we're talking about Pokemon, and we're talking about MLB Showdown, right? Like, that's for sure. 100%. <laughs> no, I'm wrong, 100%. Man. Okay. So what what's the third one in your in your uh, assessment? It's it's Yu Gi Oh.
0: and and, okay. and again that's and that's based on sales, just strict sales in in the West.
2: Okay, so will it be able to be that fourth face on this on this Mount Rushmore in ten years? I think it absolutely has every every symptom of being a massive success. It has the money and might of Disney to promote it to support it to to basically bail it out uh, if it has a bad year not a problem that's not it because there's so many we were talking offline about uh myth guard myth guard yes. in my assessment is one of the best digital card games i've ever played in my entire life hmm. hands down it had a great mana system it had the mechanics of uh of hearthstone with added lanes and interaction and stuff but it was an indie company where the owner of Rhino Rhino Games was basically funding it himself. And one bad month or one bad stretch run is Doom. Because you. it's like I'm either on the street or I'm yep. supporting this game. So mm. that's the difficult of it. Disney yep. is like, Disney can walk down the street. And have a million dollars fall out of their pocket, and they'll be like, "Wow, I feel I I lost weight, amazing!" Like that's kind (laughs) of how they go. I think that it has every opportunity to supplant it, based on the fact that it has an appeal to both collectors, youth, um, and 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 now competitive people, like competitive Mm -hmm. the competitive environment, because they're going to have an op. Obviously, if the op is is just like you know uh, Friday Night Magic, if it doesn't go beyond that. Then that's problematic. But I think what Disney's seeing is that people go to these big events, flesh and blood major events, and like right. uh, Magic Pro Tour just wrapped up and ha- and was really successful. People mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. see it. People want to go. This is just another mm-hmm. marketing scheme for Disney to yeah. sell more movie tickets, more this, more merchandise, more for whatever. It's just that's all it is. I-, mm-hmm. I I don't see how this can fail. And if they don't colossally f up in the next. 10 years yeah i think it i think it could go i could think it could shoot past pokemon a hundred percent
0: so do you think Ravensburger like has to like really massively screw up for this thing to to fail
2: oh they need to go on like a kanye west level <laughs> bender to mess this one up i don't know how else to properly they're
1: gonna <laughs> go on info wars <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah, they're going to wear their whole, like, morph suit, bodysuit thing and say some really questionable stuff. Be like, I love Hades. Oh, I, I, like, especially Hades did, Hades. Yeah,
0: Hades, exactly. Hades, Hades. did nothing wrong. Yeah, exactly. Hades did nothing wrong. Change my mind.
2: But uh, they they need to actively want to screw this up because they basically – you know, like they have a parachute, a reserve parachute, another reserve parachute. They have a dude holding on to them with a the parachute. And then there's the mm-hmm. entire floor is a marshmallow. So, like, how mm-hmm. do you screw up? <laughs> right. Right. So <clears throat> I,
0: I also wanted to ask you, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in an age right now. And especially with where we are with Lorcana, there's a lot of questions that everyone is asking. Um, they're at, at Disney Lorcana, Is there going to be a digital client? Do you think that digital clients, let's see, how how did I phrase this? Um, How important are digital clients in the current TCG and CCG space? Does a game need a digital client to be successful? I know the answer to that. The answer to that is no, because look at Flesh and Blood. There is no official digital client for that. But where do you see digital clients in the current TCG space, and how important are they in the space?
2: Well, if you're in the boardroom, uh, the question basically gets tabled. It's, uh, ladies, gentlemen, do we like money? And then that's basically <laughs> yeah. resounding yes, right?
1: It also has to be a mobile based game as well. Cause that's how you make even more money. That's,
2: that's oh true. God, dude, if you can, <laughs> if I can crank out a, a Lorcana game while I'm like on the toilet. Oh, please. Like, don't get me Turn wrong. Me yeah. Productivity down the toilet. Literally. Uh, <laughs> that said, I truly think that it's, 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 it's not, like you said, it's not necessary, uh, to succeed, but it is certainly mm-hmm. necessary to, um, to rake in dollars like crazy. Um, and I'm actually, I think that it is going to have one, uh, probably on launch, maybe not on launch, but possibly. And the reason why I think that is because they've already have a companion app, um, um, mm-hmm. I think that's the first step towards mm-hmm. things like card packs, having a QR code thing where like you just scan mm-hmm. and you get, you earn points yeah. mm-hmm. and those points can then be transferred into, to the actual game. Not to mention when you look at the cards that they show on the website, they're animated. And that might be mm-hmm. the fact that they're already working on some sort of digital mm-hmm. thing because they're putting the work into the, the digital version of the card. Now, mm-hmm that could be a yes that could be a no. I think that what they're looking to do first and foremost is just release the game. And mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think that if they released it as just a digital client, that's not the right way to go. Um, but what are what I what really kind of gets me excited about the game is that if any game that doesn't have that has sorry any game that has a paper version automatically excludes some of the most vile types of game mechanics like discover uh, or and random effects ever yeah. so yeah there's gonna be no dice rolling there's gonna be no discover effects and and all this other garbage that makes me want to throw my tablet out the window <laughs> so, and i think that when you have that it's very simple to sort of port that over to a, a digital client
0: so how much money would you be willing to put down today that there will eventually <clears throat> we'll say we'll say within the first two years Within the first two years, there will be a digital uh, Lorcana client. How much money would you be willing to put down today?
2: I will give you everything I have. So
0: $57.
2: (laughs) Canadian. (laughs) All right. Legal. Oh, so that's like five bucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's good enough for a biggie bag, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. What about tax, though? (laughs) Uh, Okay, listen. (laughs) Let me invest it in low-risk mutual funds in like a year and a half. I'll okay. have the tax covered. <laughs> understood. Understood. You got a year. <laughs> um, all right. So
0: so going back a little bit quick to broadcasting. Um, do you do you have a broadcasting idol?
2: I do, actually. Um mm, okay. My broadcasting idol is actually Vin Scully. Vin Scully oh, okay. yeah. uh, Dodgers baseball broadcaster for many, mm-hmm. many years. And yep. the reason why I can- an absolute legend. Uh, and uh, he, he unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Yep. I'm a huge Dodgers fan. Um, I I respect him because he's obviously the consummate professional. He's respected mm-hmm. within the organization that he's worked for so many years. But mm-hmm. what really impressed me about him that I really wanted to look up to was the fact that he did it on his own. He oftentimes yeah. didn't have color commentary. He was the whole package yeah. for nine innings. And mm-hmm. in order to just maintain that level of focus, maintaining the interest of your of your viewership, of your listeners, and still being able to weave this magical narrative of what's going on and keep it so pristine and so awesome and never flubbing a word and never forgetting a name and knowing what, you know, Clayton Kershaw uh Clayton Kershaw's daughter's birthday is, like things like that. It just it was absolutely just mesmerizing to to watch him and listen to him while I would watch like I used to watch like a hundred Dodger games a year. Like that's that's wow. what I used to do. I bought the MLB package. And again, this is like when I moved here and I had nothing left <clears throat> to do. And Dodger games came on at like 10 p.m. locally. Yeah, so I'd yeah. slam those on <clears throat> in the evenings yeah. and listen to Vin Scully while I was like... And then I'd go to bed and like, it'd be like midnight. I'd be in laying in bed and I'd have the radio on and I'd have the Vin, the game wrapping up and I would listen to Vin Scully. And, and you never think about it because at the time I never thought of this as like an actual option for a profession, but... When I started getting my gigs, I remember vividly doing a Gwent uh, tournament uh, at the onset of COVID lockdown. We did it remotely and mm-hmm. I did it here remotely in my apartment. And there were technical difficulties and it's like a nightmare because I'm there with somebody who has, I was broadcasting my, my co-caster with somebody who had not much experience and they're great. They were awesome, but. It was on me when I got that word in my ear saying, we need you to kill some time. And I hear that. I'm like, okay. And then I hear about 30 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. Cut to break or something, you doofuses. But I can't say that. So we wow. went, I had to, like, there's only so much you can talk about the decks. There's only so much you could talk about the competitors and the gravitas right. of the entire event. But I started going through my comics and doing trivia about some of the stuff that I had and just telling stories and how they related to the game. And a lot of that was because of I was channeling a little bit of Vin Scully in me. Yeah. Wow.
0: So it, it like it's really interesting. Like you you that that was honestly that was like one of the one of the most um Beautiful tributes to Vince Scully, I think I've ever heard, in, in all honesty, mm. right? But that is what Vince Scully meant to so many people. Mm. It's crazy. And now, fast forward to, you know, 2023, right? Where we are now. <clears throat> and now with the rise of esports and video game commentating, video game casting, I wonder if the kids now are going to be looking up to... Um, like people like Flake and other ca- game casters mm. and not sports commentators. Like when did broadcast like when did it when did it become this like and, and, and that's not a bad question. Right. It's just the shift. There's been such a shift from sports to now we have. Esports and so many more different things where people are 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 commentating and it's casting nerd culture. Yeah, like when did Big that be? Time. When did that
2: start becoming a thing that you saw? Of like, well, this was always a conversation I'd have with people. Like, whenever I would tell them about my career, and for the you know uninitiated into this sort of like you said nerd culture universe. The way that they'd be like, yeah, oh, that's weird. I said, well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, if you think Twitch is weird, they're like, why would you do that? Why would you watch other people play video games? I said, well, <laughs> why do you watch people play hockey? They're like, well, what are you kidding me? I said, well, why? Why do you watch the NHL? They're like, because I like hockey. I said, okay, so why don't you go to the, the rink across the street and watch people play hockey? He's like, well, I want to watch the best in the world. I said, so do I. So do mm-hmm. I. I want to watch the best in the world play these games. This is my interest. Mm-hmm. And I said I'm like okay why don't why do you not watch it the the game on mute they're like well come on let's be real I said no seriously why do you not just like listen to music or have a conversation like well I want to hear what they have to say so do I I said it's the exact same thing the danger mm-hmm. of this and like I will be completely transparent about this every year like this is a business that doesn't pay frequently uh, if I will say I mean there's a very few right. that have are under contract and have steady right. income. I'm mm-hmm. on contract for each event that I work. I get a paycheck and then I have no idea when I get paid. It's a very, um, dangerous way to live when you don't yeah. know when you're next. Cause you can, you might have a month where you're like, I did two or three events. So I'm like, I'm way ahead, but then you might mm-hmm. go two or three months where you don't know that you don't get paid. So mm-hmm. I might get a fat paycheck, but I can't spend it because who knows when, yeah. I can't make rent. So right. that's the, right. that's the, the reality of it. And mm-hmm. to go back to what I was saying every year I go and apply for sports radio. I say, mm-hmm. I'm like, and the first thing they say is, do you have experience? And I say, absolutely. I do. I have plenty of experience in front of tens of thousands of people, not a problem. Years of it, thousands of hours of it. And they're like, absolutely. What radio station did you work for? I never worked for a radio station. I interned for one for a year. Okay, well, what TV station do you work for? Didn't work for a TV station, but I've been on on screen for thousands of hours in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you talking about? Well, I work in this industry. That's not real experience. These are actual conversations I have all the time all the time. And I <clears throat> wow. I'm like, here's my demo reel, here's my this, here's my that, and they don't want to hear a wink of it because it's not real experience to them. And that is wow. go- that is shifting, but mm-hmm. it's also the struggle of this business because mm-hmm. as, in the same vein that you say, you know, someone in uh, a fit of lunacy might look up to me as 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 like an idol in <laughs> in broadcasting, they 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 you know like the the rest of the industry doesn't recognize this part of it it's the yeah. it's the truth of it there are some yeah. who have broken through people like golden boy for example has broken through and transcended and that is incredible and that is so inspiring because people mm-hmm. like me just want that mm-hmm. i want the security of a contract and knowing that hey i don't have to buy ramen this month. Like I can actually <laughs> put something that expires in my fridge, you know, <laughs> like you get it. Like, so that's, that's where we're at. And, yeah. um, that and and I, I, I really hope that one day this industry gets a lot more respect than it does. And all I can do is try to lift the profile of it and do right. what I do as best as I can, because I love it.
0: Right. What do you think it's gonna take? So you say,
1: it-, it kind of reminds me of something that I've noticed uh, is getting a lot more I guess coverage or a little bit more respect now. And it's it's actors versus like voice actors. Yeah. For the people that yeah. are just in the studio and they're doing like anime for doves, <clears throat> blah blah blah, whatever it is. And it's I've I've noticed that it was just like oh, people didn't really pay attention to voice actors and they were just like completely unknown. You didn't see them. You'd see their name and credits, blah, blah, blah. But it was just like, oh, you're a voice actor? Well, you're not a real actor. (laughs) You know, you're not on the screen. You're not blah, blah, blah. But it's also like the real actors, they will also have to do voiceover work for their movies. So it's like.
2: So the most underappreciated person in all of Hollywood is Andy Serkis. Without any question, he mm-hmm. is the most underappreciated. And you're like, "What are you talking about? He's in all kinds of movies, and people love him. Still underappreciated. Still uh, the most honest, talented even, person in Hollywood. That is.
0: You don't know who Andy uh, Circus don't I know. is?
2: Not by name. Okay. Well, and there, there, there you go. He was. <laughs> yeah. He played yep. Goll- He played Gollum. He played Snoke. He was in oh, Andor. That guy. Oh, yeah.
1: Holy cow.
0: Yeah, see yeah. now you know. Yeah, now now I know. you know. <laughs> but I, I'll be honest though, I love that I get to see his face more because yeah. he is an amazing actor. Oh. He took he took that role of Gollum, and made it his own. Got and got and ins- I think he got insanely recognized, right? But to Flake's point, right? Mm-hmm. I he is still underappreciated, but recently. He was in Andor, I think, which I still Mm -hmm. haven't seen, but I know he's in it. He was in something – oh, he was in a Marvel movie. I can't can't remember which one.
2: He was in – Black Panther, uh, I think. Black Panther, yep. He was in Black Panther. I think it was. He played um, – he's Alfred in The Batman.
0: Yes, that's true. That's true. I'm so happy that I get to see him on screen more because I'm like, that is exactly what you deserve. Like Mm -hmm. you deserve so much more than Mm -hmm. that. But he's getting those roles absolutely. I love that. Um, but uh, to, to piggyback off, off off of what you were saying, w- what do you think it's gonna take to change that? like do, what do you think has to happen for that for your industry to get the recognition that it deserves or do you just think
2: hopefully it comes with time? Huh. A mass wave of old people retiring, I hope like I <laughs> yeah. th- this is this is uh, uh, the people that I listen to on the radio, going to school in kindergarten are the same people 32 years later on the radio yelling at clouds. There is no room. There is no room for people like myself who want to get in because they just own that space. It's kind of an old boys club in that regard where that's partially why I just gave up on it because no matter what happened, like when I was interning at that radio station, you know the the program director is like, you know, Matt, you're awesome. Like we we want to bring you back. We want you to help train some of the new interns. I said, cool. Like, does this leading to anything? Can I get paid? Not a chance. Okay, cool. Thank you. I'm gonna go finish my degree, and yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. I can only work for free for so for so long. But I got some great right. experience. I made some good yeah. connections. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, somebody like PJ Stock is somebody I owe a lot of my confidence to Uh, he's hilarious. He's a goofball, but he is one of the purest hearts that are out there. But what will it take? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. What will it take to put some respect on this kind of broadcasting name? Um, But there is a plethora of really strong voices, really articulate and, um, and, and, and just animated voices out there that put so much love into what they do and they really draw people into it uh people like mitch leslie uber from overwatch league you know you're talking about like who your idols are like i I, he'll probably maybe listen to this so i'm not going to say him but in this industry (laughs) there's very few people in this industry that give me pause to say i got to do better but that's Mm -hmm. one of them he is certainly mm-hmm. somebody where I'm like goddamn like I need to up my game because if I like I've casted with him, I've done flesh and blood with him. This mm-hmm. is a dude where you know, like all things considered, this is somebody who should be on TV doing this stuff. He's he's mm-hmm. a, a really good at what he does and I truly believe that I am too. But what'll it take? I honestly don't know because mm-hmm. all I can do is work hard and make connections and just cross my fingers that somebody sees something and 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 sees something in me.
0: Mm hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Like for for me or well, for us, I've I've viewed kind of how we started doing this. I'm like, I'm going to put my head down, work as hard as I possibly can and just plow forward. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look up. I'm not gonna look and see what's going on around me, making sure I'm I'm getting praise, right? <clears throat> it's just I wanna work as hard as I possibly can and keep pushing. And I'll look up to see what my peers are doing and make sure if there's somebody who's ahead of me. I'm I'm working to 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 get them, right? And work and they're they're pushing me. And like there's plenty of people. Like for like for us, I always I always <laughs> look, I always look at Josh and Jimmy at the command zone. Like the what they've built, I'm like that right there, that is what I'm going to aspire to, and just continue to push towards that. So I think it's it's always great to have people that you you look up to and you respect who are going to continually push to make you better, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, all right, well now now we're going to talk about um our, our our favorite our favorite part of the podcast, one of our favorite things, and this is this is from uh, a game that we haven't featured any card. Uh, this game doesn't even exist. <laughs>
2: you watch your tongue you're already on thin ice you <laughs> all
0: right all right matt can you can you talk about this week's card of the week for us
2: yes the card of the week is luke skywalker jedi knight from star wars ccg the best game Ever created, <laughs> bar none, without question. Dude, I'd
1: rather um, play villainous.
2: Yeah, the best freaking thing you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, so. This game, first of all, now the reason why this card is so iconic was because it was the first card that uh, the first persona of Luke printed that had him with such a high stat line as well as indicated as he is a Jedi Knight. The whole, the whole, this was from a set called Death Star 2, which uh, obviously, you know, encapsulated all the events of um, the Battle of, the, of, of Endor and ultimately. Why this card is so amazing is because, first of all, it's a six power, six ability card, which is b- like bonkers high. Most cards are in the two to three on each side range. So it's huge. Um The st- the, the game text makes him just a powerhouse uh when he's got a lightsaber. He's just un- like, but again, it feeds to the fact that he has become a Jedi. He confronts his father. He He defeats the Emperor. He is a Jedi Knight. That's who he is. The important part about why this card is bananas is one of the ways that the game balanced cards was at the top right of the card is what's called the destiny number. It is the RNG element of the game. The numbers range from zero to seven. Very few cards printed were sevens. The ones that were were typically very useless, but sixes were, there was a bunch of them and people would put, Guard like very low playable sixes in their deck because some of the game mechanics required you to quote draw destiny, whether you're like increasing your power, firing a weapon, trying to accomplish something, you would draw destiny. And the destiny number typically had to be greater than something else. A six was like a sure thing every time. So most of the strong characters, like earlier renditions of Luke, Obi-Wan, whatever, they were all ones. Vader was a one luke was a one leia was a one so that was how they balanced it it's like you want to load up your deck with powerful powerful people your I destiny see. draws are going to be garbage yeah this was the first character that came out that had a tank stat line <laughs> with a six as the destiny. there was no downside to this card and star wars ccg had no uh deck building restrictions so do you want to jam like 10 of them and you got the cash Freaking go, baby. Now, that is what? not... What? Damn right. you damn right. Now, most decks never ran more than, like, one or two because it didn't make sense to, to run more based on the, the rules of the game, et cetera, because you could only have one on the board yeah. at a time, and the other ones were oh, yeah. useless. But there right. was literally no downside to playing multiple copies because you weren't polluting your deck with low destiny numbers. And that's why this card, and it had a dark side counterpart in that set, the emperor was the first time the emperor was ever printed and that mm-hmm. mofo came out with a six destiny number two so they were <laughs> they were the two iconic the reason why i took luke was because whenever i played with my buddy jed that i talked about we we split a collection i took all the light side cards and he took all the dark side cards and we would mm-hmm. do battle so mm-hmm. um i chose luke because i played luke i finally got a hold of a luke i bought my first luke i don't know where the other one went in my previous collection but i Slammed down a a solid three bills for that mofo just to complete my Star Wars CCG collection. And he's living so beautifully on that shelf right there in a binder, in a sleeve, in a this, in a that. And uh, yeah, that is the iconic card that I wanted to share with you guys.
0: Awesome. That, that is awesome, and this is why we started the card of the week. I didn't 100%. even know that
2: card was that expensive.
0: Well, what's it worth now? What's it worth?
2: Uh, now? I could pr- if I if I pulled some strings, I could probably get one near mint condition for about two fifty US, maybe wow. closer to three hundred. But I would have to like. <clears throat> ask a friend of a friend of a friend who mm-hmm. has heard the podcast and and is like mm-hmm. you know wants to do me a solid <laughs> right right
0: right right understood yeah i so ever since like starting our channel and starting doing all of our content i've heard i've heard talk plenty talk about this game never played it uh wasn't wasn't really doing you know playing any sort of card games when when this was around Heard so many things about it. I I love hearing stories like that. Like yeah. last week we we heard an, an amazing story, right? <laughs> and th- but Flake, thank you. Like this is exactly why we started the card of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're never. This is never going away. Yeah. I love this. I this is not. awesome.
2: <laughs> oh, I didn't want right. to come in. I didn't want to come in empty handed, boys. I really wanted to show up with <laughs> the goods. And I wasn't gonna just. Oh, this is Doctor Boom and I love Doctor Boom. Like that was on the radar for me. But I was like everybody. These, uh, i don't know i'm gonna see, <laughs> yeah leroy jenkins <laughs> leroy, and yeah. sylvanus and whatnot uh yeah, sylvanus so was my all-time favorite hearthstone card i actually Ragnaros. have a pop final hover oh, somewhere nice. back there but nice. um nice. but yeah no when it comes down to it baby that luke skywalker jedi knight is That's the amazing. centerpiece of my collection it is a beautiful beautiful card and it brings back so many memories
0: <laughs> that that is awesome. Well, uh, Matt, thank you so much for that. That was that was awesome. I love hearing stories like that. Um, all right, Matt, can you can you let our audience know where where can people find you on the internet and find you and your content?
2: Absolutely. So you can catch me specifically on Twitter at Watch Flake, uh, Watchflake w a t c h f l a k e. You can catch me on Twitch, the same thing. Uh, my podcast is the Instant Speed Podcast. That's at Instant Speed Pod on Twitter. There's the Lork, uh, uh the Podcana podcast. That's at Podcana. That's my Lorcana podcast. Um, what else? Uh, I do a lot of stuff for 983 Media, which is a, a TCG <laughs> media house. Uh, you can catch them YouTube.com/slash 983 Media, and uh, that's about it. But yeah, just shoot me a message on on Twitter. I I pride myself in the fact that I like I, I answer 99 of messages I get because I just like. Talking about cards, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome.
0: Uh, can, can confirm. Can confirm on that one, 100%. Yep. So, uh, Matt, thank you so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. And uh, like, like we said earlier, we could probably continue this for, like, mm-hmm. multiple hours on end. But we'll, we'll save that. We'll save that for another day. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. And uh, we look forward to talking with you in the future.
2: No worries. And uh, you can have me on when you finally watch Andor, you traitor. <laughs> Understood, I
0: I I have not had that much fun in a long time. Like we are just we are being we are like so blessed with all these people we're talking to. It's it's crazy, man. Dan, it's, did
1: I troll him too much?
0: No. Not enough. More. (laughs) Not enough. (laughs) But you know what? The thing I I love about Matt is he'll take it. He'll give it right back to (laughs) you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So much fun.
1: He had me dying, man. He had me dying. Same,
0: dude. Same, same. (laughs) Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that talk, that episode. Um, But you know what? Um, Before we get out of here, Jim, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at JimMorganHNH.
0: You guys can find me on Twitter at underscore DJ. Twitter is underscore DG Campbell. Instagram is daniel.g.campbell. If you head over to our website, hobbiesandhappiness.com, you can find links to all of our social platforms there. You can find us on Twitter and find us on all the socials. Um, and again, don't forget, check the links down in the description where you can find Matt and uh, um, where you can find Matt on the internet and all of his podcasts as well. So guys, hundred percent. If you're in into Lorcana, be sure to check out his podcast Podcana. And then if you're in a flesh and blood, check out all the projects that he's doing there as well and you know what if you ever need a caster make sure you hit him up make sure you hit (laughs) matt up i guarantee you he will uh he'll he'll, he'll see if he can he'll see if he can work it he'll see if he can work it as as he's trying to continually get gigs for that well that's all i got for you this week hopefully you all enjoyed the episode and we'll catch you in the next episode see everybody take care